0: Well, good morning. Good morning. Sometimes I like to kid people say, God still loves you. <laughs> <laughs> so it uh, been five weeks since I've been with you. I'm glad to be back again. I'll be here next week. I was thinking, well, <clears throat> you guys don't get it this week. I'll give it to you <laughs> next week. But I won't do that. So I like to start with uh, sometimes with uh, one of my favorite jokes, and this one is about uh, place called Lake Wobegon in northern Minnesota. Remember, a Prairie Home Companion with, anybody listen to that? Garrison Keillor. It's from Minnesota Public Radio. And uh, anyway, that's just a makeup name for a town in, a Scandinavian town in northern Minnesota, where Ole, Ole lives. <laughs> 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 right. This, Alina's not in the joke, so she's still around, but it'll just be Oli this time so uh, and so Oli retired and he moved into Lake Wobegon and and so <coughs> the the people were didn't. not so happy uh that he moved into town because they were all catholic and, and you know on friday you only get fish right how many grew up with that we ate fish on friday if a few of you know that so anyway so the, would you believe friday afternoon that's when Oli loved to grill meat in his backyard in the barbecue and they <laughs> and so they smelled this beautiful aroma of meat being grilled and they weren't real happy about that so they went to Oli and says Oli you know you're the only Lutheran here in Lake Wobegon and and this isn't so much fun here with you being the only not being a Catholic on Fridays just grilling all that meat so why don't you become a Catholic and then you'll be well I'll be happy and so Oli said yeah I think I could do that so the priest they get the priest and he says, Yeah, I can make a Catholic out of Oli. So he gets some incense and he waves it and says, Oli, you were born a Lutheran. <laughs> you were raised a Lutheran and now you are a Catholic. Oh, they were so happy. Oh, they couldn't get it. They were so excited, you know. But until Friday came. And uh, sure enough, there they smelled on the back of the Oli's hour is grilling beef on the barbecue. And so they went over and <laughs> and they looked over the wall and there is only barbecuing the beef and, and he's pouring some salt or seasoning on it and said you were born a cow <laughs> <laughs> you raised a cow and now you are a fish <laughs> <laughs> Okay. (laughs) So I'm gonna teach on uh, kind of a long sermon title. A a few months ago, Sean asked if I could teach on uh, how to get, how to experience healing for grief and uh, in terms of going through losses in our life. And I don't know, he was, did he preach on it? Do you remember, he preached on grief at all? Not sure, he did, okay, so Brett was listening. So I think um, uh, there'll be something similar maybe, but I think it'll be another way of looking at it. But uh, we will look at returning to joy, returning to God's mercy or the comfort of his love from these feelings of anger, sadness, despair, and fear. Returning to peace, joy, and the security of Emmanuel's attachment. Love, it actually it's a good habit. How do I get back to joy when I'm going through some unpleasant feelings. And I've talked about these six big emotions, actually seven, that the brain is wired for us to feel. And these feelings, you don't choose to have them. You don't say, oh, I'm gonna choose to be angry now. The anger's there before we even thought about being angry. And so, these feelings are a part of how God created us, and I think every feeling has a purpose. And so, um, Um, Otherwise why would God create it? He creates things for purpose. Um, But since we're going to look at maybe some things that you know uh, may not be as easy to recognize or even feel I want to start with an appreciation moment so I'd like you to close your eyes so this will be kind of a place you can go to if things kind of want to feel close to Jesus. When you're going through a hard time so holy spirit would you bring to mind for us a a recent appreciation moment the last uh, week or two could be longer just someone we enjoyed being with feeling of joy maybe a grateful moment this morning looking at the mountains could be something really simple And as you're doing that, remember to take some deep breaths from your tummy. It helps to kind of relax, breathe in slowly and from your abdomen, your shoulders still. Just breathe in, breathe out. And then find, as you're doing that, find an appreciation moment. And then um, relive that moment. Just kind of picture yourself and uh, relive it. Be in that memory where you're feeling grateful, joy, feeling love, something positive. Then uh, describe any details in that memory. Who's with you. What you're feeling in your body. And tell Jesus what you're grateful for. Or tell God what you appreciate or are grateful for in that memory as you relive it. And then give this uh, appreciation moment a title, like a name, you're gonna put You need to give it a title to put it in a folder in your computer. What would be the name you would give it? Could be a phrase or just one word. And then when you're... Ready, open your eyes. And share the name of your appreciation moment with the person sitting next to you, two or threes. Go ahead and turn, what's the name of it? Okay, how about if I, I, all of us get to hear a few of the titles, just name it out loud. Go ahead and some of you share with that, with us. Joshua Thomas. Joshua Thomas. My had a baby and after my Oh, congratulations, yeah, Joshua Thomas, the newborn. Ah, Landon's love, it's one of the little they oh, thank you. Friendship? Anybody else? No, so I picked Judy for my name. <laughs> my wife is with me today, so do you want to welcome her? <laughs> that should work for a week anyway, shouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> No. (laughs) Okay, take a look at your notes, and we'll do some teaching on returning to joy. And so, when we go through trauma, you can follow along as I read, uh, or suffering, the dreamer in us may stop dreaming. We may stop living from our hearts. What do you do when you wake up in the... And the day after your wake up, the day after your best dreams have died, you wake up, you're still alive, and you have to go on, and you don't know why or how to live without the dream. The dreamer in us stops dreaming, and we wonder if Jesus will ever give us another one, or we may feel fearful or daring of daring to risk again knowing how devastating it is to experience what we hoped for would happen, what we thought would happen, what we believed would happen, were are sure would happen but didn't happen. So that's one way of getting to back to uh, joy, is to identify what's the dream that we lost. Or what else could be a person, a job, our health. A dream, maybe just a dream for our future, a dream for our children. And we'll look at in, the, in that painting today, one way that we can go through a dream is to see it as a storm, what we're going through in our life because of a loss of a dream. And this church went through a loss of a dream <coughs> for your pastor to be married. And, uh, and that was a pretty big loss. And to lose uh, the security of just uh, just your pastor and his wife doing well together, and so I want to talk about that. How do we get back to joy from some of the feelings we go through with the loss of a dream, and some feelings that we may have when we go through loss? And one, what I find present in this uh, Habakkuk. text that was read this morning is a feeling of anger. I don't like this. It's another way of saying it. I hate. I hate that. And sometimes when people have trouble identifying anger, I think we kind of, uh, I don't know, we didn't do anger in my home. We we did guilt. (laughs) We're really good at guilt. Um, Maybe a little bit of shame, but anger was a feeling we didn't learn how to process and so one way that we can deal with this feeling of anger and getting getting back from anger back to joy is to name specifically this comes out of the Habakkuk text what did not happen and sometimes I do this a little louder I just said it though what 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 should have happened uh, what I hoped would have happened, what I longed to happen, what I thought for sure would happen, what I dreamed would, would happen, I just knew it would happen, did not happen. And that's what it, the prophet Habakkuk wrote. Even though the fig trees have no fruit, there's no grapes on the vines, even the olive crops failing, and the fields produce no grain, even though the sheep all are dying, the cattle stalls are empty. All these things that should have happened, that, that could have happened, that I hoped would happen, that I knew would happen, did not happen. So that's naming it. This is not happening in my life right now. And the reason for doing this is it helps to validate what the hurt is, what the pain is. It doesn't work to fight hurt, to fight the pain of loss. I'm gonna fight against it. What helps is to say this hurts. This is what happened, this is a loss. Of a dream or of a hope, and so when we validate it, it, it helps us to focus on what happened, and that way to process it. If I'm going to say it, if I'm going to ignore it and say it didn't happen, then it's just pushing it aside, and, and then I'll have to deal with it later. And there is a time for that. I'm not going to look at this every day in my life, and every Sunday I won't be preaching on this, but. It was an angel just came in yeah. the door um, so with Habakkuk <laughs> two angels <laughs> okay thanks um, then in your notes I talk about Job's friends it's really a beautiful story in the book of Job if you remember what Job went through, the Satan's, you know, says, you know, they were talking about Job, and, well, Satan says to God, this is kind of the parable or the metaphor, oh, Job, the reason Job serves you because he's got it so good. And so why wouldn't he? And so Job, so God allows, and it's kind of in this uh, debate with Satan about Job's obedience and righteousness or his, Faithfulness, he says. Well, see what'll happen. Look at what Job will do. How will he handle it if he loses everything? And there's kind of a joke about there. Job lost everything, except his wife. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, and she said, "Why don't you just curse God and get it over with?" So she was not the best thing to still have around. But how did Job's re- friends respond to his suffering? Remember? For seven days, what did they do? They sat with him in silence. And that, especially if a person is going through stress and and, uh, trauma, one of the first things, or the most important things they need to know is that they're not alone. So they were, and the silence of the friends, being with Job, not saying anything, not trying to fix the pain, if you do this job, oh, you, know, you must have sinned. Or later on, they said that you got to look at your life, Job. But they did really well the first seven days, just being with him. And what that does, it validates how big this is. It's kind of like we don't have we don't have a thing to say. And so when we're when we're going through that kind of stress, pain, suffering, trauma, what we need is to have someone who will validate even say this is so big this is this is really hurts and that helps us to be open then if you validate this is a big pain then I might then I'm more open to being comforted but if you start right away starting to fix the pain with comfort it's like you're minimizing how much it hurts because you want it to you want it to stop of course but what we need when we're when we're going through some kind of loss and uh, suffering, is that we need people who will just be with us, and then their presence is a way of saying they're respecting and honoring honoring our our suffering. Um, and I, I mentioned one thing that can we can do to help us identify things in our life that we may be ignoring that there's some anger about or. I don't even want to think about how it hurts or what happened, is to not only name our gratefuls, that's consolation, like we did today. It's important to start with gratefuls. But uh, I think you'd say, well, if I were to confess my sins today, I'm not, you know, well, I know I would sin, but I have trouble identifying it specifically. Or my anger, not sure there's any anger there, but so how do I get that? Well, I mean, if you want to find out if you're angry with someone, just pay attention to when the phone rings. Who do you hope it doesn't, isn't <laughs> calling? <laughs> but uh, but here's, here would be one, to name what you're not grateful for. And, the, and that would be not to nurse and rehearse it and pay, you know, just give it, make it a friend, but you're just naming it in order to then give it to God. So I name, I'm not grateful that my pastor lost his marriage. That's a big loss. And so what I do is I name it and then I can give it to God. What here's an interesting thing that happens is that when I name it and, and then give it to God, often I will go to a grateful because but then I then I think, well, but I am grateful how this church has loved this beloved son of the Father. And he's not been alone. And he's never had to defend his, himself and um, and be judged. So that I'm grateful for that. Even for that. So what happened? is I named the not grateful, and that helped me get to the grateful. And I think that will happen for you often too. Another feeling that we can have that we name it, it, that we want to get back to joy from is sadness. Now that would come up maybe what you're feeling when you say this didn't happen i hoped it would happen i i thought for sure i didn't even think this would ever happen uh that is not maybe not be anger it might be just sadness It's, it's a loss i've experienced something that uh, was important to me my my health and i've named some of the losses that we may go through what we do then is that we name it the sadness what the loss is how big it is and even feel it in our body. Where is it? This is a way to be present to the feeling in order that we might process it and then give it to the Lord. Sadness, Jim Wilder, Dr. Wilder, psychologist, says, is a brain's way out of anger. I thought, that's interesting. So that happened to me last week. I was in Dallas and uh, i was with some friends sitting at the uh, table and i was sharing some anger i had and i realized i was really being triggered Uh, what had happened to me was a trigger what happened to me as a little boy that i wasn't seen and known for and not (coughs) the person was kind of saying you've been doing it wrong the way you pray for people this is the right way and i've been praying for people since 1974, what is that? Four and a half decades, not quite. So I was sharing this, and uh, as I shared it, I, I was saying, "I'm really, I'm get angry," and then I went to tears because I realized that was that little boy who d- needed to be seen and known and have a father who was there. What happened as I was doing that? I looked up, and my eyes had been closed, and the two men at the table were had tears in their eyes. And and I immediately knew that there there Jesus had tears.
1: <laughs> it was their
0: tears, but that's how Jesus has tears for that little boy Joey. He needed to be. I mean, think about it. How many of you saw tears in your father's eye? Anybody here saw tears in your father's eye? I think we need to have fathers, as well as mothers, who when we looked at them our dads, there were tears in their eyes, either because they were with us in our suffering, or knew, knew, kind of, the tears to me were saying, you understand, and you know how important it is for me to be seen and to, to be known. So that really helped me, I moved out of anger into, into some sadness, and that helped me to process it. So, you can turn your page over. take a couple of deep breaths if you need to um, uh, last time I preached on there's no substitute for attachment pain and that the attachment pain is where we feel with the loss of someone who's personally to us and there is no pain I think that's bigger maybe, maybe physical than the pain of grief it's the biggest pain ever and so it, it doesn't good to say i got to stop it and uh, it needs to be processed and so and there's no substitute for the person we've lost you can't go back that person had a parking space remember i talked about it? parking space in our heart and no one else can park there no no one can park in that place and, and so they, that's what you do is you grieve the loss of who had that place a parking spot in your heart and and the love that was there and so th- and, but what's possible is to invite Jesus into that Onto our heart and then also he doesn't give a substitute, but f- for sure he get, brings us new people in our life f- With whom we can have attachment love or With security of their love Then I so I mentioned they're also called hopeless despair That's another feeling that we may go through when we go through loss I don't have the resources or time to deal with what is happening. I, don't, I just don't know what I'm going to do, I'm, how am I going to do this? I don't have the resources. Depression is getting stuck with feelings of hope, loss of hope, purpose, and maybe related to anger held inside, unexpressed. Yesterday I was with a friend and um, Very expensive home in San Clemente. No, San Juan Capistrano, beautiful home. And he asked me, uh, how do you help people in depression, Joe? And so depression is different than hopeless despair. It's like I'm stuck feeling a loss of hope. That's what depression is, a loss of hope. And so when I'm talking to someone and some of you have have gone through depression, that is a part of, can be a part of grieving the, going through grieving a loss is anger and anger turned inward becomes depression or just depression itself so just I'll quickly say that if you're going through depression and I want you ask for help the first thing um, the, the last thing I would uh, the very last thing I would ever say is that you shouldn't feel this way all oh, right yeah uh, well how do I stop it? It's like having diarrhea, just saying stop it, right? <laughs> <laughs> Don't picture that, but that will, will get you back with me. It just doesn't work. So b- depression, there are some things that can help. It can oh, what, help him understand, that you understand. There's often a withdrawal from life. I feel like part of me died. I've, I lo- my lost, part of me stopped living. Or um, when I, I may just to help them name and what's going on. And, and when I pray for them, I will, I'll, I'll say, you don't have to believe. You can borrow my faith. Because depression is hard to, to pray for because you prayed and you didn't work. And you're disappointed. And so I'll say, I'll pray for you. And I, I will believe for you and you can borrow my faith and borrow my emotional capacity so what happens now then well let's go on I may teach more about depression but if you want you can talk to me I'll I, I uh, or my wife Judy too so one of the things that helps us to get through uh, and get back to joy is to pray the Psalms of lament one third of the Psalms are Psalms of lament and um, uh, that and that's actually what Habakkuk was, was praying. A psalm, it was a prayer of lament, right? In Habakkuk 3, verse 17. No, no fruit of the trees, cattle are dying, no crops are not, everything that was supposed to happen is not happening, Lord. And so it's complaining, prayer of complaining. And so what happens when we pray a psalm of lament, it helps us to name, just tell God and wrestle with God. We don't have to pretend it didn't happen it's not happening, Lord. And this is a psalmist in verse thir- chapter 13. How long, long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face? How long must I wrestle? Every day with sorrow in my heart, how long will my enemy triumph over me? He cries out, look and answer, O Lord, and give light to my eyes, or I will sleep in death. But here's interesting, after that lament, almost a shift. It's like maybe David gets tired of complaining. And he says, But I will trust in your unfailing love. And that, using that word in Hebrew, is like trusting in God's unconditional, his loving kindness, his never ending love. Somehow he grabs a hold of this is who God is. He's a Hesed God. He's always attached to me. He's glued to me. He won't stop loving me. Nothing can separate me from that love. And that, moving from the lament part to the, saying I have trusted in your love gets him out of the out of the self you know the lamenting to hope and uh, it happens when he turns and starts thinking about this word Chesed, this love of God inexpressible love of God so I mentioned here that that so that's one way that we can get back to joy, to love, is just to start thinking about, God, you're so, you are a good God. And when we stop believing that God is good, we're in trouble. So we, we, that's like, okay, God, you are a good. Goodness, your goodness, Psalm 23, a mercy will follow me, chase after me all the days of my life. And then I say, and well, this is something else you can do uh, to help you get back to joy, is so ask Jesus to bring to life the dreamer or part of us in us that stopped living. I could say my heart. I tell my heart to live again. Help me to dream again, Jesus. I want to live from my heart again. And so it's a step of, I, Lord, I want to stop withdrawing from life. But there's a reason you withdrew from life if you were in depression. Because it was the light was too bright. And so it was safer just to. To, to hide under the shelter of withdrawal. So when I choose to live again, I choose to come out of hiding, I choose to stop pretending, and I, I want to dream again. Jesus, will you give me a dream again? Dream, help me to dream again for, we're, we're dreaming again for Sean, right? And your dreams for Sean are a big gift. You're dreaming. You haven't stopped dreaming for his life and his future and for his children. You can dream what life's going to be f- and hope for him. Okay, then I want to close. It's kind of like the one little part of the sermon is using um, this pa- painting. You take that out. And Jesus said, uh, I mentioned in verse uh, 33 of John 16, I told you these things, that you, in, in me you may have peace. In the world you have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So Jesus promises peace in the middle of, of a troubling world. And the word for trouble there is thlipsis. In Greek it means just like you have a picture of you got a bunch of papers on your desk and you're just pushing them down. And that pushing down of the papers is the stress of living in the world. And so, I mean, we live in a stressful world. And so we need, we're living in a stormy time. A, and there may be personal storms that you're going through. And so I think this meditation on, on Rembrandt's picture, stilling the, the Sea of Galilee can help us. So if you look at that picture, and I want to read the, the gospel Gary read from Luke chapter 8 again, and as you can just be looking at this painting by Rembrandt. It's from um, the 1600s, a Dutch painter. We read from the Gospel of Luke. One day Jesus said to his disciples, let's go to the, over to the other side of the lake. That's a very important verse. How did these disciples get in a storm? You can blame Jesus. <laughs> I mean, he said, we're going to cross. It's out of obedience. So you may be in a storm today out of obedience of loving and, and and out of obedience of your faith. And and so it's not because you're doing something wrong. You're out of God's will. They were in God's will and they got in a storm. They were obeying Jesus. So they got into a boat set out and they sailed, he fell asleep. <laughs> you know, the Bible's an interesting book. Here we have, you know, this, They're. Person they're trusting and depending on to take care of him and he's sleeping As a a squall came down on the lake so that the boat was being swamped and they were in great danger The disciples went and woke him saying master master. We're gonna drown He got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waters the storm subsided and all was calm He choked off the wind he kind of said stop it. That's what Jesus did in, his, in the Gospel of John, when he faced a, a demon, he said he rebuked it. He said, "Stop it! and kind of be removed." And he did it to a fever. "Stop it!" And here he does it to the wind. He rebuked it, and then he says, "Where is your faith?" Well, he said, I don't think he's condemning them or putting shame on them. Come on, you guys should believe anymore. Why aren't you? Why aren't you believing? I think he, where's your faith? Is he hey, there's another option here. You could have. You could just trust me, and I'll help you. And it's a, an invitation to have hope and and to, and to have faith. And in the fear and amazement, they ask one another, "Who is this?" He commands even the wind and the water, and they obey him. So here we have Rembrandt's picture, and some I got some fun questions uh, to reflect on with you. What's going on in the painting? Well, just for fun, I'll give you, this is like I think. You might enjoy this. Rembrandt is known to paint himself into his paintings. So count how many disciples there are on that boat, just for fun. Anybody still need the painting? You guys need a painting? Brett, do you guys need a painting? Okay. How many do you count? 13. 12 disciples, 13 in the boat. So Rembrandt's in the painting. Good ch- you know, I think he painted him, what well, we know of him, he would paint himself into the portrait. Now, you have to kind of guess which one of those is Rembrandt, but that's really a side issue. Uh, I, th- I think it's the, Rembrandt is the one, you see the little, really small person kneeling with his hands praying, looking at Jesus? I think that's Rembrandt. Where is he? Hiding in the hall, looking the other way. I didn't catch that. Yeah, that's the one near I, the little one, looking towards Jesus while he's kneeling. So when you think about these peoples, where would you be in the in these disciples? Where are you in the scene? Holding on for dear life? Screaming? Uh, some it looks like two guys are kind of... Uh, going after Jesus a little bit, Re- giving some direction. I'm going to start rowing as fast as you can? I mean, I'm going to do something. What? I missed that. So this would be one way of identifying, where am I in a storm? What do I do when I go through a storm when I feel fear? These guys are afraid. I don't there isn't anybody pouring out water out of there. It probably is too much coming in or whatever. It wasn't that easy to do. You're just hanging on so you don't fall out. Um, And so when you think about fear, what do you, you know, that's another way. When you get afraid, what do you do? Fight, flee, or freeze. And these, a lot of these are fighting. And I've got to do anything I can to fight against it. One guy's looking in the opposite direction. Maybe that would be freezing. You see that one? His back toward us. And then, and so, um, and, and then there's one guy hanging over the boat. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so look at Jesus. Now We realize that we are seeing this painting after he's already calmed the storm. So we're not in the middle of it here, but Jesus is the storm is there, and what what word would you use to describe Jesus? Calm, Calm. self assured peaceful not worried. he's not worried he's not afraid. How about relaxed not, maybe not it could be anyway. It's amazing that, uh, he, actually, we know he was asleep, So, he, uh, but here he, he's awake, and, and so he's looking out at the light, maybe. I'm wondering what he is seeing. But anyway, uh, the question then would be for us, what storm are we in our lives today? What's the storm you're in? And what does Jesus want you to know? Well, I mean, he wants you to know he's in the boat with us. I'm in the boat. I'm with you. Uh, I'm not afraid. And anything else? If he, What does Jesus want? What do you say? What does he want those disciples to know in the storm? Anything else? I, he loves them. He said, I love you. <laughs> I don't get tired of Jesus telling me that. What me you mean, Joe, I love you, I love you, I love you. I think he says it thre- said, yesterday he said it to me three times. <laughs> I love you, son, father says. You're my son. You belong to me and not to fear. I think uh, I give up to fear. and I give up to Jesus and not to fear. But one thing, I, it's important to know that Jesus is not afraid. When I'm afraid and so that really helps and so then we i kind of close with a couple of other questions uh why how do we get in a storm in our life what are some reasons we get in a storm in the world you'll have trouble jesus said and pressure stress i mentioned right at the beginning the reason they were in that storm was out of obedience right because jesus said we're going across now it could be spiritual warfare. Jesus rebuked the winds. It's the same word used in the New Testament for what Jesus says to demons. And when Jesus gets across, this is this is a, you can't prove this, but what he runs into a legion, a man who has seventy demons, and you can pretty much be uh, you know you know if there's any kind of sense how the demonic knows what's coming, but they didn't want Jesus to get across. They wanted to stop him because they know they're getting. Anyway, the demons are going to be confronted by Jesus. Um, It can't happen because we're somehow we're in the habit of sin and we're getting the fruit of the consequences of that. We I know you've heard from Sean really taught well that the kingdom's here but not fully. So good old Lazarus got raised from the dead and he died twice. (laughs) He died again. So the that is. Uh, even though we can have a resurrection, we live in a world where death is present. The kingdom's not fully here. And uh, then finally then, when you think about this uh, painting, what are, what are you grateful for? When you think about, what you write, what would you pray as a grateful prayer? Thank you, Jesus, that you're with me. In the storm anybody have a grateful prayer thank you uh, thank you Jesus uh, and for my message today I'll lead you in some prayers thank you Jesus uh, you're with each one especially those today who have lost a dream in their life a dream maybe or at least that uh, they're wondering if what will happen especially I know that the Two biggest storms that Judy and I faced in our life have been with our children. And suffering depression, Heidi, our daughter, who went through a big crisis when the, a mother and three children ran in front of her car. When she was a student at USC and a little boy died. Those are big storms. thank you, Jesus, that you have taken us through the storms I'm great I'm grateful Lord that and also that you have given us uh, kept giving us dreams for our children thank you that you have given us people who will dream for us when we don't have strength to dream and help and give have hope for us and I pray Lord today especially that you would be with those who Wonder what is going to happen and with with your children or with uh, Something a relationship or your marriage Jesus be please Let them know that you see how big Big the cry of their how loud the cry is In their life for a longing for for this pain to stop or for To hope again dream again and I have faith I can borrow my faith today if you're not sure you have faith to do this I I believe that God is going to bring your help you live from your heart and I tell your heart live again live again God awaken our hearts to live again so we can live from our heart